0: to the Free Music Ed Podcast. Today we have an interview with John Bogenschutz from Tone Deaf Comics. Now, this is a great webcomic, and if you haven't read it, you have to go read it as soon as you can. I really enjoyed recording this interview with John, and he was an absolute pleasure to speak with. So, sit back, relax, and here is John Bogenschutz from Tone Deaf Comics in this week's Free Music Ed Podcast. how's it going today john good it's a it's another typical busy day where
1: seems like the business part of it rains about 80 percent of it
0: and then i actually get a draw and write for about 20 percent of that
1: so another typical day
0: so uh tone deaf comics is awesome you've been doing this since 2008 right uh i i've started doing cartoons in 2008 my
1: first comic was it was called matter of fact and um and there was there's some tone deaf comics I pulled from that the music ones, but the matter of fact ran for two years and it was more of a single panel far side type of comic, and then I shut that down and started tone deaf in 2000 January of 2010. But again, I pulled some of the older music comics, and that's why you see like the 2008 uh, copyrights on on those.
0: Okay, wonderful. Uh, now. How, how did how did this whole thing come about? So you were doing another webcomic before, or just how did you get into doing comics? Because I, I looked at your uh, biography, and you've done a lot of things.
1: Yeah, the, it's I mean, it's a really strange path, especially when I explain to people, hey, I was a teacher for two years, and then I did composing and arranging for 10 years, and then I'm a cartoonist, and it makes no sense to them at all, <laughs> and rightfully so. Uh, but it, it all got started. I mean, I was doing, um, as I said, I taught for uh, I told people two years at Adair County, it's really one and a half years, it's just easier to say two, because I got the job in the middle of the year, uh, January, uh, and I taught for the rest of that school year, and then the following school year, so I, I really only did a year and a half, uh, was assistant director under Tim Allen, and then I did composing and arranging for ten years, and during that time, we're... I, I, my entire life I've really liked stand-up comedy, and, but especially during that time I started listening to a lot more. I started listening to uh, just interviews with comedians and getting really interested in that. So I, I actually dipped my toe into stand-up comedy uh, two times, <laughs> and not, not that much to really get a good feel for it, but enough to know that it's probably not right for me because even when I played trumpet back in college, I would always get so nervous and anxious before a performance. And the same was true for, like, doing the stand-up comedy. I just could never feel comfortable that whole day leading up to the night performance. Uh, So, you know, I stopped doing the stand-up stuff, but I knew I still wanted to do something, you know, in terms of comedy. And so I just started drawing drawing a comic one day in the summer of 2008, I believe. No, summer of 2007. And just start toying around with ideas and um, just drawing because I – didn't know how to draw. I drew when I was a kid, but you know that was nothing. So then I just taught myself to draw and uh, released Matter of Fact for two years and then stopped that and then started Tone Def.
0: Yeah, so you you kind of came into the comic stuff late and what you were saying there about doing performance even on instruments and things, it reminds me of like composing too. So you've got this one thing where if you're playing an instrument or you're doing a stand-up routine or something, you get this one shot and it goes great or it doesn't go great and then it's over and then maybe you try again later. I suppose with a web comic and with composing, you can sit there and you can work on it and you can keep working on it after it's done, but at some point you've got it, you know, a finished polished product that you like. Is that kind of the difference?
1: Yeah, the, I, well, I think the big difference for me is that I'm not actually getting in front of people and having to act like a monkey or, you know, perform <laughs> live. Because, I mean, I would really get nervous. And and knowing that when I was trying to do the stand-up comedy, I, I, knew, I knew I would get nervous while on stage. So I tried to make conditions for myself as rough as possible when I was practicing, like in my apartment. So I would, before I started to practice my act in my apartment, which was, at that, which was five minutes. Um, I, would, I would run up and down the third floor uh, stairs, like top to bottom. I would do that, I don't know, two or three times, and I would get into my apartment. I would blast music uh, at pretty loud, but a respectable volume for the tenants. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I would do that and then try and do my act while I was out of breath, and all this noise was around me and that did help. But even still, you know, I was just nervous as heck that both days that I, I had to perform. Uh, but in terms of like the, the web comic, yeah, I, I definitely have a lot more time to polish it. Uh, I kind of set, set myself up for as much success as possible to where I have a huge buffer of comics. Um, I, I'm trying to think of how many I have right now. I have eight weeks worth of comics, so I'm not fretting or trying to rush through a comic. I can sit there and take the time if I need to, uh, to develop one. Like the one I worked on yesterday, I just could not get the wording right, and I had been working on it for about four or five days, just the wording of it. And and it finally clicked on me. I, I just took a different approach with it. So, But if I had if I didn't have that buffer of comics... I would have probably just slopped it out and put it up the next day because something had to have gone up. But I built in a little bit of a buffer to allow myself time for when I come across those tough ones.
0: So do you think that all webcomic authors should do that? Like, if you want to do a webcomic, go ahead and do 16 comics before you start your page and get yourself ahead? I I would
1: recommend it just because you never know when something's going to go wrong. Uh, Like... uh, in the summer of 2010, my my dad was in uh, the ICU unit, and he actually passed away that summer. But I, I spent – I was living in Florida at the time, and I went up there to visit with him because, you know, being self-employed, that's a tremendous advantage is that you're you able to say, you know what? I'm just going to go up and spend time up there. Uh, I think I was up there for a month and then eventually two more weeks uh, about when, when he did pass away. About two weeks after that, but during that month month's time I was up there, all my comics the whole buffer had gone away, and I came back right in the nick of time to draw the next one and kind of build up another buffer again. But if I didn't have a buffer, there would have been no comics for that month and and it would have been it would, I'm sure the audience would have came back, but it you know it would have taken some time to bring them back,
0: yeah, so. Let me ask you this: Your comic is very music centric, and of course, it, it involves band directors in the the main cast. And do you think that if it weren't a web comic, that you would have ever got this published anywhere? Oh heck, no! <laughs> Everybody asks
1: me all the time when yeah. I when I tell them what I do. They're like, "Oh, so have you submitted it to the newspapers?" And I always huh. tell them, "No." I, I it with matter of fact, I did at the very beginning. I sent out like to the two or three syndicates that are still out there. And, of course, it got rejected. I can't blame them. It was terrible drawing. The writing was not up to par. It was the first 30 comics I had ever drawn in my life. Uh, But then after that, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go do it as a webcomic. And it was fairly successful for what it was. It's nothing what tone deaf is now. But, yeah, tone deaf, it would not do well in the newspaper because it's such a specific uh, niche or niche. I, I don't know how to pronounce the word.
0: I, I don't either. I actually go back and forth sometimes within the same sentence, but that's because this podcast is a, in a, a niche niche market.
1: yeah, exactly and and that's one of the great things about the day and age we're living in now is that you can be more specific with that and you can you can make a living off of something few people read because they're dedicated readers and listeners and that's it's awesome.
0: So without being too pacific pacific without being too specific or giving away anything you don't want to give away how successful would you say Tone Deaf has been? Um I think I think right now it's
1: it's where I thought it would be and and I know I've said in the past I've talked about things oh, oh yeah this is going to be good this is going to be good like about other projects but after I stopped doing matter of fact I remember telling my wife one night, like after I after I stopped matter of fact and started tone deaf, uh, and this was like the three or four months after it, and you know it was still it was still a smaller audience, but it was starting to get some recognition. I told my wife I was I said, you know what I think this is this is going to take off or this this could become something, and and it right now it's it's on par with where. I thought it would be and actually I thought it grew just a little bit faster than I thought it would so so I'm pretty fortunate about that because I was doing the music arranging and composing up until last year which would have been uh, May of 2012 and that it, at that point I I didn't need to do that anymore and I was actually done mentally with it, it I just I felt like I wasn't producing good enough work as I had been in the past so as that faded down, Tone Deaf faded up at, at the perfect time.
0: That's great. So you're doing Tone Deaf full-time now?
1: Yeah, I started doing Tone Deaf full-time January of 2012. Uh, my wife was able to stop her full-time job, stay at home with the kids, which is a tremendous help because so, I was watching our, at the time, two-year-old and then our at the time 7 year old was going to school but during the day it was just me and the 2 year old and fortunately he took great naps <laughs> but but it was still a challenge to get stuff banged out
0: yeah well especially if you're banging it out uh, yeah you know at, at yeah. a piano or something i i bet you couldn't have a 2 year old sleeping at all
1: no no i would have to plug the headphones in and then and even then it was kind of a chore cuz i had the he- had to have the headphones in the keyboard then put the headphones in the computer <laughs> working with Sibelius. so it was kind of a challenge, but I mean we made it through so do, do so. you still compose some or I mean, I, like do you... I don't my wife thinks I should but I it's it's to the point where before we moved up to Kentucky this past summer i I sold my keyboard no I sorry I donated it to a school i I've, I've gotten rid of my piano and keyboard. So and my my rationale on that is, like if I ever do need anymore I can bring up, you know, a garage band on the iPad if I really need to figure something out. But it, I, I I honestly don't have the urge to compose anything right now and it's kind of refreshing <laughs> in the sense that I don't sit there and listen to music anymore for like the technical aspects of it, but I can just sit there and listen to it just to listen to it. So I and even with that I find myself expanding my listening, uh, range a little bit more.
0: Cool. So how about, uh, how about we talk a little bit more about your comic? Let's, you've got some characters and they're all on a character page. Can you kind of walk us through what your comic book's like for your comic book, what your web comic is like for anyone who, uh, hasn't read it yet, but is going to read it as soon as they stop listening or right now they're going to go and listen to it. Either way is fine.
1: Yeah, the, what they can probably expect is e- they're either going to get some storylines or some just random one-off comics. And, and I want to say one makes one is more popu- popular than the other, but I always get requests to do more of each, like more storylines or more more one-off comics. Uh, but when, uh, when you get to the storyline comics, you're going to see main characters. Um, the head band director is Ed Harmon. Uh, the assistant band director who Ed hired is Tom Talbot, and he, to, Ed knows he made the wrong decision with that hire, but it's to the point it, he, he just has to deal with it. Um, so those are the two main characters, Ed and Tom. And then you have the choir director, Alma Maroney. Uh, she's in there every now and then. I should probably bring her back a little bit more often. Uh, you have Ed's mentor from college Dr. Dapitone, who's a retired band director now but he stops by every now and then for some some good advice he's kind of like the the smart guy of the bunch to bring some common sense and wisdom to the group uh every once in a while Scott Mackerel will be in there who's the local arranger composer um, Dimitri is uh, one of the main students I don't really focus on the students that much I don't know if people notice or not It's mainly band director based um, But yeah, those are the main characters Every once in a while I have a uh, comic with Al Coda The, the local um, used instrument salesman Who has a kiosk set up at the local mall Which makes no sense But it's just where <laughs> his, his operation is so yeah, so the, but the main characters are Ed and Tom and you'll see them a lot in the comics.
0: So do you do you draw from them from your experience as a band director? Is that kind of where a lot of your thoughts and humor come from in this comic?
1: Yeah, I, I think more so the because and, and, I did teach for the, those one and a half years uh, I do draw from the, that experience but a lot of it is when I was the, a music arranger or, or composer and when just going to help out at marching band um, I, from oh, when was it or I think around 2001 to about 2006 I helped uh, a band in Florida at uh, Timber Creek High School. They, their first year as a high school was 2000 and I was fortunate to get jumped on as the ranger and um, you know, just help out with the brass section and I would come in uh, not only for the rehearsals but I would come into the classroom and help teach as well, so we were able to split the class or keep them full, whatever we needed to focus on that day. But a lot of the stuff I pull on is from those years, I think. Uh, but then, you know, just hearing stories of other band directors and what they're always talking about, and just trying to find a way to present that in the comic.
0: Yeah, I, I let me do this. Let me. Can we spoil to the, your most recent comic? Is that okay? Yeah. I'm I'm gonna release this in about two weeks, so it'll be a little bit old. But uh, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to describe the comic to you auditorially in this podcast, and it probably won't make any sense at all. But maybe it'll, <laughs> maybe it'll sound awesome. So uh, here, here's what this comic looks like. It's entitled "Get Out of Bed," and the reason I have to read this is because I've had this very experience in the last couple of weeks. Well, not exactly, but uh, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, the the band director's laying in bed. You know you've got thought bubbles here it's ugh i really don't want to go into school today i'd rather stay in this comfy bed all day long so cozy but no i talk to my students all the time about being committed and working hard even when they don't want to i need to set an example get out of bed head to school there's nothing out there that i can't handle this now shows him he's at the school and a student has come up to him and the comment the student is making is mr Harmon." my clarinet stuck in the toilet and uh, of course the band director's expression is and back to bed and uh, <laughs> this is this is beautiful superly well drawn and while i haven't had a student get a clarinet stuck in a toilet yet that's exactly I I have. <laughs> that, that's that's exactly the level of things that come out of nowhere you know to you on on that day that you've convinced yourself to be there against all odds that's beautiful right
1: yeah and that in the that and that's that comic's a good example of that i'll also pull from other uh besides band directing i'll pull from other subjects and transform them into the band director uh mind frame because that comic was actually based off of how i was telling you that i had really lost a passion for just composing and arranging and so that's where that comic actually came from not being a band director and being tired of it but just being tired of doing the music and composing and that. And so, you know, when I came up with this story, it's going to be a storyline that's going to be throughout the next so many weeks. It's really based on how I was feeling. Just I was done composing and arranging. And, you know, I just, I couldn't find that spark back in there anymore. So that's not how the story ends in the comic, but you know, that's, that's where that started from. And so just trying to feel, okay, so if if a band director was feeling this and I know so many band directors feel that, from time to time and probably everybody if they've taught at so long you know uh but just like what what would he be feeling what you know the what are the thoughts and how how would he have to deal with that who's he going to turn to for advice and and all that stuff so i i get jumping off points from different areas but i I always try and focus it back how would you know how does this fit into the band director world
0: uh, do you so you you do that with a lot of different things? Have you don't you have you ever outright stolen something and you've been scared to admit it until this very moment? Ah, uh, I'm
1: trying to think. Like in in terms of an idea, or
0: in in terms of yeah, in terms of an idea, like you saw something in Garfield and you go, "Oh, if he were holding a clarinet, this would be perfect for Tone Death." Oh no
1: no no <laughs> no! Now I have. I have thought I've seen something. and I'm like, man, why didn't I think of that? Like, cause that would have fit perfectly for what I need to do. There's times where I see things like designs of posters or something. I'll be like, you know what, man, I need to find a way to fit that into a poster of mine, but tweak it, you know? Uh, but in terms of like seeing like a Garfield comic I and mean like, just give him clarinet and we're good to go. You know, no, nothing like that. There's times where I've definitely been, man, I should have thought of that. Even if it's not a music related comic, but just, just how you always get those Like how, how does, how did anybody else not think of that type of moment? You know,
0: you have some amazing posters actually on that topic. What, what are your favorites? What all do you have? Tell us about them. Uh,
1: my favorite is actually the intonation pain scale poster uh where it has the five red frowny faces or smiley faces kind of like the the pain pain scale when you go to a hospital uh and that one it was actually from the summer of 2010 when I was in the hospital with my dad and I saw that poster up there like tell us your level of pain and so like one is like you know, not that bad or whatever. And Tim was like horrendous something, you know, I was like, how could I fit that into a band setting? And so, and so I guess right there's one way that I stole something, I guess, because it was basically basing it off of that. But that, that's one of my favorites. Cause it's just a simple design. Uh, and I feel like those 10 jokes hit pretty, pretty well. Uh, another one of mine, excuse me, is uh, the Lord of the Rings poster, uh, just for the visual aspect of it. Uh, there were just so many components I had to come up with and figure out how to do for that poster. I knew what I wanted it to look like in my head, uh, but knowing the limitations of my Ill- illustrating or drawing, I knew I was going to have to try and really figure out that poster. So the different factors were, one, just fitting all the characters in, in the frame, uh, bunched up, but you know, try and make that visually pleasant. Uh, try and get Sauron in the background, and um, just being able to create that eye with the with the fire, uh, like in the movies, was a was kind of a challenge. And it, a lot of these are, are are solved by brushes that I find for Photoshop, uh, but getting the 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 background with the clouds and the darkness to match Mordor. And also the volcano, just trying to not just put a bland, bland yellow lava flow from from the volcano, but trying to find a way to make it somewhat uh, flary, like like lava. So and, that... Go ahead.
0: Oh, this yeah, that poster, by the way, it has all of the Lord of the Rings characters and the instrument they'd be playing, and uh, kind of a reason why underneath. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, that... That, that
0: picture was the first time, though, I started to really get complaints about my bashing of saxophones. <laughs> ha ha ha. Uh, do you, yeah, I, I've noticed a couple of times you've, uh, you've bashed saxophones, but I, 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 I play saxophone and clarinet. It's one of my main instruments, and uh, we earn it. Now, well, with that being said, and,
1: and, I, and I know that I put that stuff out there, so they have every right to complain, but I really do like the saxophone. Uh, It's just like whenever I make fun of the oboe, the oboe is my favorite instrument, but kind of like the saxophone, you can sound really good on it, but man, you can sound absolutely terrible on it too. Uh, But when played right, the oboe is my absolute favorite, but I really do like saxophone as well. In particular, I like sax quartet music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. I love it.
0: Well, so uh, maybe maybe you should issue an official apology. You should have a panel, uh, you know. <laughs> I actually
1: did a comic <laughs> where I'm apologizing. I don't know if you saw it. I guess but I didn't then, catch that one, yeah. All uh, right. It's me apologizing and Dimitri, who's a saxophone player in the comic, it actually ends with him forcing
0: me to do the apology. So I guess in a way, <laughs> I'm not really apologizing <laughs> at at the end of the day you write a comic i think yeah uh, right yeah yeah well i i you've got some great posters and you've got a bunch of them i'm actually looking at your poster page right now but uh there's there's some really great stuff a couple different flow charts you've got uh, a great periodic table of music notation which is pretty cool should that should be in every band hall for sure
1: yeah Yeah. that's been a big seller i i think for two reasons one it's a lot of people can use it, even elementary schools, because a lot of my posters. in Elementary schools aren't going to buy them, of course, and they shouldn't. Uh, but then, uh, it's also offered in a, a bigger size than normal, uh, twenty-four inch by eighteen inch. And I wish I could do all of mine that way, but they're so dang expensive to print.
0: It's so. it's hard to make money if you you know, people don't want to pay uh, you know fifty dollars for a poster. They,
1: they exactly right right. It, it, yeah, if I only bought like a hundred of those, it would cost a lot, and I would have to sell them for a lot. And I know people wouldn't buy them for that, and I don't think they should buy them for that either.
0: Great. Well, and uh, let's see. Tell tell us about the other things that people can do on your website to support you, because you've you've got the awesome posters. Of course, the web comic's free. You can go and access that every single day. Do you care if people put up a, a comic in their room, if they have one no, they like? No.
1: No, that's great because uh, uh, people send me pictures all the time, and that's – I love it. Uh, that's pretty cool. The on, Online, I, you know, I haven't come across this problem, but I know some other cartoonists have. Uh, sharing online is no problem as long as they keep the URL in the comic or the copyright just because I've seen other uh, comic artists complain that people will actually sit there and take the time to delete out the URL <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll and the, it out. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and we don't know why. We have no idea what that reasoning would be for for deleting it off of there, or even taking the time to do that. Uh, but I, I haven't come across that problem at all. So, so I'm fortunate. I, I have some pretty good fans about that. Uh, but yeah, no, I have no problem with it at all. Sharing it, uh, you know, using one every now and then in the newsletter, just as long as it doesn't turn into a tone deaf book. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh because you can't get a tone deaf book, yeah, we have two on the website, and uh we actually the third one is being printed right now. it's a little overdue, but had a lot to do this past summer with the move and everything, and then a baby back in March, so so the third one's coming out uh should be available in i want to say September, if not then it'll be October, but they,
0: art-
1: can, they can follow the on tone Deaf, uh follow tone Deaf comics at facebook.com to find out that information.
0: Yeah, that's great. And they're they're incredibly reasonably priced. I mean your your posters are like seven dollars, your comic books, uh the, the books that are ten dollars and eighteen dollars for the combo. I mean those that's that's great. There's no reason people should pick those up if they like it. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, I don't want to try and charge more than yeah, I don't
1: want to get greedy with it. Of course make a profit off of it, but you know, the, the goal is try and sell more of them. So I, I try and bring the prices down. And we had teacher, you know, the teacher salary, you know, so I don't want to overcharge anything there. I think there's a lot, of, a lot of people overcharging in that aspect already. So I try, I try to keep it pretty reasonable uh, when I can.
0: That, that's very nice of you. I appreciate that. But let me ask you this. Have you ever had a comic that you thought was so incredibly funny and nobody got it or liked it?
1: Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. And I'm trying to... There was one recently. I can't remember what it is. I would have to look back through it. But that happens all the time where, where you're like, all right... You know, you're waiting you're like, all right, three weeks from now, this one's going to be released. And then you're counting down two weeks. All right, tomorrow's the day. And then you put it out and no one says anything about it. And you're like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, how did they not get this? And you're blaming, blaming the readers. But, you know, inside you're like, what did I do to mess that up? Like somehow I didn't connect. You know, maybe there was too big a jump for the readers to get or maybe it wasn't funny enough or whatever. But uh, that happens all the time. Now, you. And on the opposite side, I'll get comics where they'll take off, and I had no idea at all. And I think the biggest, uh, the biggest comic of that was the Mahler comic, um, which, I can't remember the title, which Mahler Symphony did you just listen to? And I thought I was selfishly doing that one for myself, and that one exploded, and I couldn't believe it.
0: That's, uh, that's kind of cool. Maybe you should beta test your comics like you get a good list and say you get the comic one week early (laughs) and uh well i've thought about
1: releasing stuff early for like a premium price so where they can get it all like maybe like all in um get all the comics for september like at the beginning of september so they can read it Uh, i know another comic um does that and he he does pretty well with that um I've thought about it. I've thought about the advantages and disadvantages of it. Uh, it, it. for me, To me, it's come out to be more of a disadvantage, but I could be wrong about that.
0: Well, if you're like me, you like going, and you've, you've got your sites that you check, and you're like, oh, it's Tuesday. I'm going to go check these because I know they update today and see what they've got for me. And I don't know if I'd like getting it all at once at the beginning of the month. It'd be too long before I got the next one.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Now, how do you read uh, like your news and stuff? Do you usually re- go to the sites for me or do you go to an RSS feed?
0: Uh I actually I have a list of sites that I do uh and I I've got a list of blogs that I do. So like, you know, every day I'll check uh some some Gawker media like iO9 and Lifehacker and Gizmodo. And then uh yeah, I actually still visit sites, but I might I don't know. I don't know if that's i because setting up your rss reader and stuff when i talk to my friends about it they don't know what i'm talking about sometimes yeah, exactly
1: you know. Th- that's why i always i'm always curious about it because to me it seems like everybody would be doing it but i don't think hardly anybody's doing it if you look at the grand scope of things
0: yeah well you know they've made things like flipboard and things that kind of compile all of that into a magazine looking format on tablets and things and yeah maybe Maybe it'll take off someday, but I kind of enjoy going to the sites and getting the full experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know for me, because I do the RSS, and I actually had to switch because Google Reader went under, or not under, but they stopped doing it. Uh, I go every morning. I just you know open it up while I'm feeding the baby and you know just flip through what I want to read for the day. And I'll have my list of comics and news on there, but sometimes – there's some comics I just don't want to read that day, even yeah, so I'll just kind of close them out. But yeah, I do kind of miss going to the sites though.
0: Hmm. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about how how different people do that. Because like with with my podcast, I have an RSS feed that is primarily built for distributing through like iTunes and things. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, and that that tends to be the direction that I that I go with that. But I wonder how many people would rather have that through an RSS. That you've made me think deep. Uh, this this got technical. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, but I I started the Marching Roundtable
1: podcast as well, and uh, the guy who actually does that, Tim Hitten, he he's mainly the. The, the it guy. I've kind of stepped away from it just because of uh, my time. I have no time anymore to do it, except every now and then. But yeah, we we've had to worry about that. With like, where do the where do our listeners listen? Do they listen on on iTunes? Do they download it? Do they go to the site and listen to it? So we're always trying to compile that information.
0: It's way harder than it should be. Like, I can get a page count, but I don't really know if they played it and listened to it. But they did visit the page. But then, you know, you can't really yeah. get things from iTunes, so you have to go through something like FeedBurner. And it's oh, nightmares. nightmare. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and the FeedBurner set – we originally did released it uh, onto iTunes without FeedBurner, and all of our names were on there. We had four hosts. And then once we want to track that and see how many listeners there were, we did FeedBurner, both through my FeedBurner. So now it looks like I'm the only host of the show on iTunes because it won't let us change it, or we haven't figured out how to change it.
0: Ah, that's, that's hard. iTunes is actually a nightmare. Everybody out there that's putting content onto iTunes, it's way harder than it should be. Uh, so if anybody works for Apple or anything – Make it easier. Like, uh, I can type in free music ed podcast and not find my podcast.
1: Seriously?
0: Uh, at, at times. They, I, it, it depends. Like, uh, sometimes if I do it all one word, I I can. If I type my name, I can. If I type the name of any of my guests, I can. Yeah, but... but how
1: many people are going to go on there and type free music ed as one word? Exactly. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, it's very weird. I've I've tagged it and done crazy things. It's easy to find on the on the internet. And I think, really, a lot of the people that fall into some of these uh some of these different niches or niches uh a lot of them in the uh, if they're music educators a bunch of them don't uh, actually go through itunes a lot of them just pull up the page like we were talking about earlier yeah yeah oh well yeah uh so hold on uh okay we we talked about uh about some of your different comics and things but, like, how, how does your process work? You've definitely, you've got yourself built up so that you've got several weeks in advance. Do you hand-draw everything first and then scan it and use Photoshop or, you know, Illustrator or something to copy? What do you do? I do, I used to hand-draw it and then scan it in and then,
1: um, man, I can't remember what I did once I scanned it in. I think once I scanned it in, it was ready to go because at that time I was black and right, black and white. And then I would add the text after the fact because um, I, I would draw, I, I would have uh, paper printed out with the panels on there already. So then I would draw it on onto there. Uh, and that was, it, it worked for the time. But after I start moving to everything totally digital, which I do now, I, I could never go back to that. Cause it, 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 Cause I was frustrated at the time doing it by hand, but now, especially looking back, no way, no way I could do it because now what I do is I'll, uh, if I were to sit down and do a comic from scratch, what I'll do is I'll pull one of my ideas from Evernote cause you keep all of my ideas in there. It's an easy way for me to do a search for a comic idea that I've typed down, um, and then I'll also create folders like a next folder. Like, these are the comics I know I want to do next. And if, I, if I'm if i putting ideas in for my phone that I've left a message for me for, uh, just if I get an idea, I'll, I'll leave a message for myself. And then I'll type them into the Evernote. And if I'm like, that's going to be a good one, I'll take it as next. And I'll drop it in there. And actually, half of those that end up in next, in the next folder, will actually get untagged next before I do anything with them. Because I'll realize... That at the time I can't do anything with them, or I don't have the time to do anything with them. Uh, but I'll 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 pull an idea from Evernote. Uh, I'll actually write the script in Evernote now, just because of how easy it is to sync up with my iPhone or iPad and the iMac. Um, so I, I'll type it up in there. Rarely do I type a comic through beginning to end and it's perfect usually i'll type it beginning to end and try not to stop so i have an idea of the beginning middle and end and how i want to go but then i'll have to go back and and really rewrite it adding the jokes in uh give it a little bit more feeling um that's the hardest part is just just typing it out and it, it sometimes it i can write a comic in maybe two or three hours. Sometimes it takes two or three days. Uh, It really depends. But then once I'm done with that, I have, uh, I I draw it right into Photoshop um, with the Wacom Intuist tablet. Uh, So I, what I'm uh, actually drawing on is a tablet down near my desk, but I'm looking up at the screen. So I'm not looking where I'm drawing. And when I first start doing that, People said, oh, you're going to have a hard time adjusting to that. And I didn't have any trouble because I didn't really draw that well in the first place. So I, <laughs> so it was easy for me. I haven't been drawing that long so I didn't have any really old habits to break there or overcome. Uh, but, yeah, I'll just draw it in. Um, I'll put the text in first and then uh, knowing – uh, knowing which panels are going to be what, like Ed's going to be saying this in panel one, Tom's going to respond in panel two, and Ed's going to counter respond in that panel two, whatever. So I know the how many panels I'm going to have and place them. And sometimes that changes, of course, like if, as I'm typing it in, I'm like, you know what? No, visually I need to do this here or move this over here. Uh, but for the most part, that text is going to stay there. Then I'll actually create the panels around the text. Uh, I have kind of a template but not all the panels are on there i'll have all the rows but not all the panels within that row are there and once i get the text in i'll adjust the panels to fit the text then massage the massage to text around as needed then i'll add the the drawings in uh last for that so it's a it's a completely backwards process from when i hand drew it or hand drawn it i don't know but then um but yeah, it's it makes it so much easier, just being able to do it all digitally.
0: Yeah, and uh, you you don't kill as many trees. No, I saved that for my posters. Oh, good. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, okay, so uh, I guess this has changed everything about the way you see the world. I'd imagine, like you're you're going through Taco Bell and something weird happens in line, and where other people would be like, "Wow." That was really weird. What a strange day I'm having. You're saying they're going, oh, this is going in in two weeks. This is perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it does kind of change it. Uh, I know when I was doing Matter of Fact, which was not a music comic, I was so much more doing that because I was looking at it. My comic could have been about anything, so I was looking at everything. Uh, with the music one, I, I still do that. But I find myself not doing it as often, but I'll still look, you know, at those instances at Taco Bell. Like if, if something strikes me funny, like how can I do that with music? Or, or if I find something funny about that, like how would, how would that be related to something in the band world? Like what's analogous to that, you know? Uh, but yeah, I'll definitely be doing that. And my friends will, and my wife whenever i start typing something to my phone or i used to carry a notepad around start writing ideas down they would be like what are you doing like is this about me like what i say i'm like don't worry about it just you know <laughs> just carry on
0: just just wait 2 weeks <laughs> yeah uh, and you'll exactly. know exactly Oh that's great that's pretty cool uh, what what web comics do you listen to i uh, listen to that's good yeah what what web comics do you listen to and what <laughs> podcasts do you read weekly yeah uh yeah what do you what do you uh what do you read what influences you who's your favorite people doing what you're doing
1: I like the i think my favorite web comic is Sheldon by dave Kellett. uh that's that that very e- easily could be in the newspapers now if he wanted it to uh i'm glad it's not cuz he you know probably has more uh rain over it as if it wasn't there but it's it's along the lines of like the Calvin and Hobbes style uh just like that kind of, it's a family friendly comic but it's it's totally brilliant um i read that one i read pvp uh player versus player i'm not really a big gamer but I re- the composition of that comic is really well done um, I, I personally, I can't or not, it's not like it's a hindrance. I don't find myself attracted to comics that really highlight a visual aspect, and like everybody claims, oh, that's so beautifully done. I, I can totally see it, but that's not my attraction to comics. I really like the storylines, the characters. Um, it's not like I'm searching out for terribly drawn comics, but it, I'm gonna be <laughs> looking at characters and. And the writing first and foremost, and then if the comic looks good after that, that you know that's a definite plus. There, I, I will come across some comics at times where it's just you know not the best drawing. It does hurt hurt my reading of it, but that's rare because uh, there's so many talented people out there drawing right now. Um, let's see, Sheldon PvP. I like Bug. Uh, just change the name to Bug Martini by. Adam Huber, I think, I can't remember the name, but that's a brilliant comic, uh, is black and white. Uh, it's, there's a joke in every panel, like a setup punchline in every panel. And I don't know how he does it day in, day out, because I, I predict it in my head that there's no way he could make that comic last the way he was doing it. Like after the first six months, because it was punchline, 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 and he's still doing it. And it's, I don't know how he does it. Um, in terms of traditional comics, my favorite is Calvin and Hobbes. I don't think anything's going to be beating that for a while. It's just tremendously done in the ten years that he did that. And then I like Farside as well. And
0: um, it made me wonder, like, what would some of those comics have been had they been born as web comics? You know, had had they been, uh, you know, twenty, thirty years later, whatever it would be. Uh, would would they be completely different? Would they have even been successful, or did those people need those reins? It would have been interesting.
1: Yeah, th- especially with like Bill Watterson, where he was kind of he pushed the boundaries in terms of like the the art aspect of it and the page layout, like Sunday layouts. He ch- he kind of changed that. Uh, he got the papers to change their formatting for that for his comic. So it's really curious because he's still alive but he just doesn't do comics anymore. What would he do if he were to sit down and say, "Hey, I'm releasing a webcomic today." I'm sure the world would go bonkers over it, but what would that be like for him? It, it it would be interesting. And same for uh Gary Larson with Farside. Like what would his comics
0: be on the internet now, you know? Uh, that that one that one would be wild. I'm I'm curious because I'm a huge Gary Larson fan. Uh but yeah, what would it what would it be like if he had absolutely no boundaries? It, I, his, I wonder. Uh, I've I've got his uh, his his book, you know, that has all of his comics. It has a bunch that weren't allowed into the newspapers, and some of them are really funny. Other ones aren't. Yeah, yeah. He, he admits that in there.
1: And you see, and you sit there and read them, and you're like, this one wasn't allowed because of this, and you're reading it and like, how is that not allowed in the paper? Because there's like really nothing wrong with them it was really strange like some like some of the ones that they thought were more more daring and daunting at the time so yeah it it would be interesting to see what he could come up with for the for the internet but i mean it comes down to also like like looking at gary larson he fit his model into that structure and and i always think back to a stravinsky quote where he, you know he says boundaries is where creativity starts and he, I think he was talking about like musical form or something at the time, but uh, you know what would that have actually hindered Gary Larson? Would he have expanded it beyond too much what it could have fit into that single panel? So maybe I don't know, maybe for him it, it was a blessing, a, a way for him to really dig deep for that creative nature and find, you know like in this one I have one panel. This is it. You know, I have to make it fit. So he would probably tested so many things out to make it fit. So, you know, maybe it was for the better. Maybe it's for the worse. I don't know.
0: You know, what's even weirder, though, I, I would wonder if, you know, a comic like like Peanuts, you know, like Charlie Brown and Snoopy. It's so iconic now. But you look back to the early days of it and you look at, you know, the type of humor and thing that's inside of that. And if it were invented today Instead of when it was, maybe it would have never gone anywhere.
1: It, it probably wouldn't, because but but that's the the ironic part about that is that he he really not invented. I can't think of a better word. He invented that, you know, the kids talking and that type of humor, and then everybody started to copy it. You know, so if he were to let Peanuts didn't exist, but somehow all the other comics got to where they were, and then he came out today with that, he probably would. I I don't know would it would it be picked up it's hard to say you know
0: Yeah but you I mean you can't argue with how influential iconic it is but I oh, yeah. I've wondered that before they've released the big his his big volumes where you could go and buy like two years at a time or something Yeah and if yeah. if you go look at the first ones the the art is tragically awful and uh you know he has some amazing comics cuz he wrote for so long but like, you're looking at every single week and there's there's weeks where you're like, there was no joke in this comic at all.
1: Yeah, and, but, and, and the art in the early days, it was more, I, would, I don't know if this is the right word, more refined, where it looked like he took more time to draw it out and perfect it. And I think that's where, when his style, his style really came to be, is where he got more comfortable with himself after years of practice of doing it. But maybe he found... Sh- Less lines to draw it with, and he just you know drew it a little bit faster and he became more comfortable with it. And I think for musicians that it, you know it translates to musicians a lot too, um, like when i 'm drawing, I find myself drawing better when i 'm being more adventurous with my with my uh, pen strokes and just kind of, kind of going through it a little bit faster, but allowing myself to make that mistake, and when I, but when I draw it slowly it's kind of boring you know and so that's the same with musicians you got to go out on a limb and make it make it your own and you're going to make mistakes but the more you do that the more you let yourself go the more you'll find what your limits are and what you're going to be comfortable with and you will make less mistakes not saying that that's going to be good or bad but you're going to you're going to find out what it is and your style's going to be better for that
0: you you said that you had taken and taught yourself how to draw when you decided you wanted to do this. And you're not the only webcomic person I've talked to that said that, that they came in later and they taught themselves how to draw. What was your process for that? Did you go to a certain method or a certain book? or What do you do? My method was, at first, trying to send out to friends who were artists,
1: asking them if they wanted to draw my comic for me. And I found, like, five or six people who who said, yeah, let's do it. And I sent them ideas. And, you know, after a period of time, I, I knew they, they looked great, but I was like, you know what, that's not what I had in my head. So uh, most of them had dropped off like, you know what, I just don't have time for it. And then like the one or two that were left, I was like, you know what, the at the pace I wanted to release them, I was like, I was like thank you for doing this, but I'm gonna try and do this on my own. And so I just sat down and started drawing and it looked crappy. It looked awful, like even worse than what you see at the beginning of Tone Deaf. Excuse me, if you go back to the very first one, the archives on the website, it looked, they look way worse than that. But, you know, I just did it. it. And if I sat down and tried to perfect that very first comic, of matter of fact, I would still be doing that today. But at some point, I was like, you know what, this is as good as it's going to get. I just need to release it and move on to the, to the second one. And just knowing that they're not going to be perfect, but they're going to get better. And the same as when you look at the first one, Tone Deaf, it looks nothing like what they look now. I'm not saying that what they look like now is awesome, but they definitely look worse. And, the, you know, the, the character styles are different, but you just have to, you know, just have to do it. And it's practicing in public in a, in a, in a way with webcomics now.
0: Oh, I, I can see how that's true. Whenever I take it and I'm looking at a new webcomic, I'll read the most recent one, and then if I can find out what like their big hit comics are, I'll read a couple of them, and if I'm still excited, then I'll go to the very beginning and start reading. Is that the way you like people to consume your comic, or what do you think about that? Uh, no, there's a reason I don't put a, lit, a button to go to the
1: first comic on my website. I, I honestly don't know how people... Like when they do start reading it, what their process is. I I tried to help them at at one point with like, hey, here's all the comics about trumpets and da 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 da, and all the ones about tubas. But I I just I don't have any a button to go all the way back to the game. They can go to the archives and definitely scroll down and pick that and start there if they want. So I I don't know what my readers do, and maybe I should guide them a little bit better with that. Uh, but. You know, maybe put a, put links to the beginning of storylines, certain storylines. I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for that.
0: Uh, well, I imagine people are going to do it however they want to do, but uh, I think that if you're reading a webcomic, you should have an understanding that probably if it's a good webcomic, that the beginning isn't quite as good as what you're reading after the comic got going. So I always wait to go back and start making that judgment after I'm sold on the idea that I'm going to read it all
1: yeah and probably a lot of people do that i mean you look at penny arcade probably the most successful webcomic as a business out there and you go back to the very first ones and they look nothing like they do now uh and you know i'm not saying that the art was bad but they're light years away from where they are now and so it's that's again a, a good thing about the technology we have today but it could also be a hindrance you know you you are as i said before practicing in public Um uh, and i mean you can always take them down if you want to but again a lot of, if they if people like your comic for the writing aspect of it they're gonna they're gonna get past the art
0: you know so do you did you have a progression like you know so I'm going to just start writing the comic and then at this point I'm going to add posters and at this point we're going to add a book and you know did did you kind of think out of that business plan or has everything just kind of popped along and more importantly what's next what's the next big thing <laughs> do you do you keep doing everything you do or uh, is it time for tone deaf the movie <laughs> no it's
1: no, definitely not time for tone deaf the movie but I I, I think my wife would kill me if if I mentioned that to her. <laughs> uh, in terms of planning it out, it, it, I knew that when I did Tone Deaf, I needed to do it at least a year before I offered anything merchandise-wise. Uh, I, I put, I think I started putting ads on the website after six or seven months, but then the first poster wasn't released until I want to say February of 2011 if I'm right about that, somewhere around that time. And then the second one wasn't released for maybe two months after that. Uh, And then it got a little bit more frequent, but my first shirt wasn't offered until almost, no, that's not right. Yeah. Until almost a year and a half after I started tone deaf. Uh, So I knew those were things that I knew I wanted to release were um, posters, shirts, and books. And the first book came out, I want to say 2011. Late 2011, so uh, about a year and a three quarters after it started. And putting out a book is great. You know, there's, it, I really enjoy it when people buy the book off the off the internet or at conventions. That, and for me, that's the best part is when they buy the book. Um, I don't mind them buying the other stuff at all, that's <laughs> for sure. Um, but for me, the posters are the big ones, and that's where I think I'm able to do this full time. Whereas other webcomic people who have a much, much, much better webcomic than me and a better sense of writing can't is that I have posters that teachers buy. Uh, Other webcomic artists can't really make a living off of posters. It's going to be more of their shirts and books. And those two are a lot more expensive to produce. So I kind of lucked into being able to do this full-time just because of what i was releasing and i and i didn't intend on the posters becoming the main focus of the sales but they just happened to do that and then you know it just kind of clicked in my head and I'm like oh okay well this makes sense you know this is what teachers would buy so you know of course my focus on has been on that then and i have tons of fun creating posters especially over shirts just because i don't have to worry about color count or something like that i can I can make it whatever I want it to be for that poster. Uh, in terms of, yeah, what's next? That's a good question. I have like so many ideas bouncing around my head, and this is where it would be good to have a good business manager to be able to say, you know what, focus on that. This will be the best next step, because I don't know what that best next step will be. A lot of it has been trial and error and just. Yeah, you know, Well, that didn't work, so I won't do that again, or maybe I won't do that again at that time, or maybe I need more time for that to develop type of stuff. So, yeah, having a business business manager from here on out would be good. That would definitely help.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm sure that you're going to be successful. You are producing something that's really good, and you're already making great products, so I have no doubt that whatever's next is good. And I'll, I'll keep holding out for Tone Deaf the movie. <laughs> Get it? maybe at some point hopefully you know that's right I I just know not now (laughs) maybe an animated short you know something yeah Uh, so do you have any other advice for webcomic writers or just anything else that you really wanted to say today this podcast that we hadn't got to yet
1: yeah uh, a lot of it just is what I've mentioned in terms of if you're going to be starting a webcomic create a a lot of or you know enough comics to be able to release when uh, when you do put up on the website, so they can go back and read at least some sort of archives, because no one's going to get interested in a comic based on one comic, and then if they go to hit the previous button, there's nothing there, you know. So have have some sort of amount of comics for people to read there, uh, but you you have to just like with music, you have to do it every day to stay tuned up on it, and and not just the drawing and the writing. Or, or not just the drawing, but doing the writing, doing both of those. Um, but then, you know, if, if they're serious about doing the webcomic, there's going to be stuff that they hate, just like every job. And as I mentioned, I, I, I'm not sure if you record that part, uh, but 80% of my day today was doing business stuff, like tax stuff and papers for, like, conventions and just, like, stuff that makes you just want to bang your head against the wall. But... That stuff allows me to do that twenty percent of the day that I really enjoy doing. And you know, that's drawing and writing the comic.
0: All right. Well, we're looking forward to seeing a lot of wonderful stuff from Tone Deaf Comics. If you haven't gone there, it's uh, is it tonedef dot com or tonedefcomics.com com. I'm tone sorry. Deafcomics.com. Tone dot Tonedefcomics.com. And uh, you can find that link at freemusic.org in our podcast section. And most importantly, guys, as you get into this uh, new school year, for those of you who are involved in a school or just into the fall, keep practicing, guys.